Hey everybody, welcome back in to another episode of the Catella Chronicles podcast with your host, Dominic Lorenz, co-host David Goodkind, and we have a special guest on this episode, all things Angels off-season action. As we record this podcast about an hour ago, the Angels pull off a trade for outfielder Hunter Renfro from the Milwaukee Brewers, and that guest I was mentioning about, Todd Fox from Halos in the infield. Todd, how are we doing tonight? Angel news, big night. Doing really good. A very surprising angel news. So I'm happy to talk about it with you guys. Of course. It's been a very active offseason for the Angels, not only getting Tyler Anderson, a lefty starting pitcher. They pull off a trade to get infielder Gio Urshela. Now they get Hunter Renfro. David, what the heck is going on? The last time we talked about the Angels, we thought this may be a slow offseason for Perry Manassian. Yeah, he's uh, he's made some really creative moves. That's what I, that's the first thing that stands out to me. It's nothing that's like too flashy, but creative and solid is, is like the impression that I'm getting with, with these acquisitions so far. Yeah, absolutely. We're going to dive on in, but before we do, don't forget to like comment and subscribe here on this podcast, our podcast, of course, exclusively on YouTube. And of course you can get more information for Catella Chronicles on our website, catellachronicles.wordpress.com or on our social media channels. Instagram and Twitter at Catella underscore C-H-R-O-N. But let's dive on in, folks. Hunter Renfro is now the newest angel in the outfield. Todd, you're the guest. I'm going to start with you. Uh, we were just talking about this right before we clicked the live button here. Why do you love this move for the angels? Uh, high reward, low risk. It's usually the other way around. <clears throat> um, you have two pitchers that Jason Junk both came uh, in uh, – Elvis came from the Yankees. Um, you know, they were kind of cast offs for our cast off Andrew Heaney, um, you know, and it didn't work out that trade for, for either team. Uh, you know, Elvis came in here and he left the building more than he, he stayed in the building uh, all over the place. Jason junk. He provided you a couple good spot starts here and there, but then he threw like his name junk and uh, got hit out of the ballpark. So I, you know, losing those two guys, I'm not going to shed a tear over. Uh, it's not like they were homegrown or nothing like that. But getting a guy like Renfro, yes, he's got one-year deal, but it's a prove-it contract. He came off with a very nice season with the uh, Milwaukee Brewers. And, you know, 29 home runs, about 78 RBIs or so, 260 average almost. You know, I feel good about that compared to what we had in the lineup last year, all of last year. And so this isn't one of those bargain basement Walmart type of, you know, movie deals, $5 DVDs, uh, bin type, you know, stretch reach kind of like what uh, Epler was used to. Now that we have Manassian in there, I feel this is like phase two. You know, phase one last year was uh, establishing the pitching staff and the bullpen, shoring up the pitching. I think this year is going to be all about shoring up the bench and shoring up the, the weak spots in that lineup. And I think putting Renfro out there with Taylor Ward and Mike Trout, I like the outfield. And I was already looking at a lot of people were commenting, of course, on Twitter, Instagram. And then, of course, there's some news that comes out. Hunter Renfro, 30 years old. He's going to be on the last year of his contract. So it's essentially a one-year deal. So what, like you said, we didn't give away any homegrown players for a one-year guy. And who knows? He could have a terrific season and it could turn into a contract extension. But his last two seasons... 2021 with Boston, 2022 with Milwaukee, very similar numbers. He basically revived his career after a crummy start with San Diego, a horrible year, even though it got him to the World Series and the Mike Trout lookalike picture that we all talk mm -hmm. about from the 2020 World Series against the Dodgers. But he has a 492 slugging percentage, which ranked 10th in the NL last year with the Milwaukee Brewers. Great numbers. And one that I love, we talked about this. He's going to join Ward. He's going to join Trout. His defense, the Angels needed somebody defensively sound in left field. And I have I brought some numbers to the page. Hunter Renfro has a 2.7 war. Okay, we'll take it. It's above zero. Mm -hmm. The three main guys that played left field last year for the Angels, minus seeing Brandon Marsh now that he's in Philly. Joe Adele had a war of negative 0.5. Mickey Moniak, minus one. Magnaris Sierra, minus 0.5. Get rid of the platoon. You have Renfro now. I think this is a solid buy defensively as one of the strongest arms in baseball as an outfielder. Yeah, mm -hmm. he might not be the fleetest of foot, but he's still a quality arm out there in left field. David, I know you and I, in our last podcast, we talked about some potential Angels free agent outfielders 
I, I liked Andrew Benatendi. I know Mitch Hanniger's name has been floating around the Angels recently. And we talked about Renfro, Renfro pardon me, and Hanniger, very similar. What do you think of this deal? And can Renfro be more fruitful than Hanniger could have been on a free agent deal? Yeah, so I, I like the deal because it doesn't hamstring the franchise, regardless of what happens this upcoming season. If he's not any good, you let him walk. Uh, if he if he is good, you could you know try to resign him. But either way, um, it beats signing like another Josh Hamilton, and you're stuck for six years, seven years on a bad contract. So there's no bad money in this. Um, I like what Perry's been talking about depth a lot this off season. This is definitely a, a depth move. You and I in our last podcast we talked about how the Angels consistently go get quadruple A guys and have them platoon. Um, Renfro kind of negates that now. You have three everyday outfielders as opposed to two everyday outfielders and then kind of winging it for, let's say, like left field. Um, coming into this trade, I kind of felt like they were going to platoon Adele and Walsh to a certain degree because I'm sure we will get into it later because of, a, of another acquisition they made uh, uh, last week. Um, but you know, it's it, it creates more depth. It raises it raises the floor for this team. Um, it's like Todd said. It's it's a uh, uh, low risk, high reward kind of move. So it's a safe, creative trade. Um, it's kind of hard to have any negative thoughts about it since they didn't give up too much to get him. Absolutely not. It's a fantastic move, and it's good to see, I think, in general for us Angel fans. We've been put through the ringer and back, I would say, for the last decade of this organization, and 2021 did not go in our way, and I think all three of us have talked about it on Catella Chronicles and on Halos in the Infield. We thought last offseason was supposed to be the big offseason. We thought we got it with a lot of pitching, and the Angels pitching staff did a very good job, and that's why <clears> essentially <throat> pitching coach Matt Wise got to keep his job for another year. It was always the offense. I know Todd loves this, but we were shipping out the Squiddy Poos of the world, the Andrew Velasquez, mm-hmm. the Tyler Wades, the, no offense, Magnaris Sierras, and sometimes Joe Adele. That was not a recipe for a postseason team. And the biggest factor for the Angels, trying to retain Shohei Otani after this year. I think the eye is on the prize for Otani. He's going to be a coveted free agent if we get to that point next year. But even with the impending sale, of Artie Moreno, he and Perry Manassian are right now looking they are in an all-in mentality and doing their best to improve this team moving forward. It's very interesting. For, you know, Todd, I'll bring you in on this factor that I was thinking about. We've had questions for so long. What are the Angels going to do this offseason with this impending sale of the team? Mm-hmm. Through the first two and a half, three weeks of free agency slash trades, it looks like the Angels are all-in. And they want to this this is going to be the make it or break it year. How do you like how Manassian has gone about it on the aggressive side of things? Because right now the Angels have made the most moves this offseason amongst any team in Major League Baseball. I was a little worried about how they were maybe rush guys up that they drafted or the shortstops names forget uh, you know, I'm forgetting right now the, the one they got last year. Um, you know, oh, he Net- blew, Neto. Ne- yeah, Neto blew through the system. I thought, man, they would put too much pressure on these young guys like they did Adele. Cause I still feel like Adele in a way was done wrong, done dirty in a way he hasn't helped himself obviously too. So it's gone both ways. I can't sit there and say it's the organization all the way, but um, when it, I'm feeling very good about the fact that, you know, bringing in their geo Urshela's that, you know, they brought in Hunter Renfro proven guys who have stats who can get on base. And for the first time, I think they're taking a Tampa Bay approach, you know, yes. You know, like you brought up in attendee, I, I thought he would be a perfect fit like you did. And, and, you know, players like that, you know, you don't have to break the bank for, however, you might not even have to touch the bank, you know, or, you know, crack the bank, you know, with making plays like with uh, getting Urshela and Renfro and more trades like that to, to further boost, bolster the team. Because if you look at Tampa and your Oakland, when they want to win, they're always trying to fill the teams with guys that maybe are cast off from other teams or maybe not really paid attention to too much, but they have a high on base percentage, have good war of solid defense. And I think these are players that Perry's going after 
And, uh, you know, if he could fill the roster with these type of players and fill the bench, I mean, it's going to up the play of everybody and maybe prove it to show, hey, and the new ownership group that, hey, this is a team that wants to win, that's going to win. Not just wants to win, but it's going to win. And if they could prove it to the the new owners, obviously they'll spend the cash and obviously Otani will take the deal because I do feel in my heart of hearts, he's comfortable here. He would like to win here. But, you know, you got to convince him that that's going to be the, the thing, that we're going to win. Absolutely. And, you know, the Angels have a lot of utility guys that can play multiple positions on this team. Yep. And they added another one in Gio Urshela, which I think is a fantastic trade. And let's be real, the Angels really didn't give up that much either. It was one singular minor league pitcher. So the Angels in these two trades, four pitchers, two minor leaguers, two major league pitchers, if you want to consider Junk and Piguero major league pitchers, you know, David... You like the Gio Urshela trade. I think the one thing about the Urshela trade that we all have discussed is what does this mean for the Angels? Was he going to be a shortstop? Is he going to be at second? Is he replacing Jared Walsh? And could they dangle Fletcher, Walsh, or Renjifo for a trade piece? So far, the Angels have gone done two trades. Renjifo and Walsh have not been a part of any of them. So with Gio Urshela coming to town, what does his implications have on this Angels roster for some players like Renjifo, Fletcher, and even Walsh? It's really tough to tell today. So it, we're, we're going to get more of a feeling for what they're going to do after we see what happens with the shortstop position, especially. If they don't do anything, then my inclination is that Urshel is going to get a lot of looks at short. Uh, he's an everyday guy. He's one of those guys you don't really platoon either. So the it's the interesting part of all of this, right? Is they're, they're acquiring actual major league depth, but these guys have to play. So it kind of bumps someone off. So who's the odd man out between Fletcher and Hefo Walsh? Those are the three names, right? So uh, I think we're hearing a lot of interest in Ren Hefo uh, slip through the cracks, I guess. Um, that's, that's probably the name to circle right now. And, and likely the likeliness of being moved, the most likely to be moved would be my guess is Ren Hefo. Um, so it's, it's, it's hard to tell right now. Uh, let's, if, if they go out and sign Jane Segura, I think it's someone like Jane Segura, uh, or, or, or even like a Carlos Correa or one of the top tier guys, you can pretty much write off Ren Hifo. He's going to, he's going to be moved, but for right now, it's tough. They're, they're talking about sort of using him as, as like ultra utility, right? Even playing some outfield. Um, I don't, I don't really know if that's going to be the case I, I figure for even him they'll want a primary position and for us I think we all agree that first base probably makes the most sense especially if David Fletcher is healthy at second um, so it's kind of a wait and see thing with Urshela it's a it it's you don't really have the answer right now you can just be happy that actual major league depth has been accrued and then yeah. just kind of see how the how the how, how the chips fall right Absolutely. We, we've preached this many of times, and I know David has been, I think, the ultimate preacher in depth, depth, depth with yep. this Angels organization. Todd, I, I, I had said, well. yeah, I, well, I had said last offseason that the offense would go through slumps just because they hadn't acquired the necessary depth for the lineup, and we saw that. So, you know, obviously this is a step in a, a different right direction. Yeah, and consistency is going to be one of those things that you hope the Angels can have as well out of these players that they've received in Ren, uh, Renfro and Urshela. Todd? Oh, go ahead. Go, no, no, I was just going to tee you up and say, with Urshela now, and you can add your thoughts in as this, um, where do you think Urshela will play on opening day? And with these two moves now, do you think the Angels still have money in the bank to go grab a top four shortstop in Bogarts, Correa, Trey Turner, or Dansby Swanson? I don't think they touched the high-end free agency for the first time. I don't think we're rumored in, in too many of those other than Swanson because people think that Swanson's like the perfect fit for us. But I would go as far as to say, like, for me, you know, like, I love Walsh. So let me put that out there right away. But, you know, when someone preferences something, they were like, yeah, but <laughs> – uh, you got a big butt coming to your story now, folks. Oh, I, sh I sure do. <laughs> I'm going to provide that butt. Um, I think Walsh would be great trade bait. Uh, uh, you know, obviously, 
there's a risk that he can take back off again with a shift not being there because that was his problem too was if he's not striking out he's hitting into that shift every goddamn time but you know and his defense is is really difficult to replace but however like david may be saying you know putting renifo at first it wouldn't i would actually love the fact if you can have an infield of rendon uh at third urshela at short fletch at second renifo at first and, and and play it like that, then have you know uh, you know one of these other infielders off, or 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 maybe even if if he signs Segura like he was saying, because Segura is going to be like a guy that I think the Angels could afford. It's just whether they want to keep him. I think you'd have to lose for sure, Renifo and Fletch. So maybe you package uh, Renifo and Walsh, you know, and then stick with Fletcher or Shella, Rendon and Renif and um, uh, what's his name. But but I think. I think there's a way of doing it. That's kind of how I would do it. Like, like Walsh would have to move if we're going to upgrade with Segura or any of the other players, because yeah, David's right. You know, Urshela didn't come in to play off the bench. You know, Fletcher's not going to be an off the bench guy. I just would be really sad though. Last thing saying, you know, talking about this subject is if Renifo were to just tear it up because I, I just loved his play last year. I mean, he was a firecracker for this lineup and I could easily seen him start opening day. You know, is what I'm saying. Like, like, you know, I didn't really get to the answer because I don't know. I mean, there still could be moves, but I would love to see Renifo on this team starting opening day. I could see him hitting leadoff, but I don't know, man. These moves are, you know, they could be setting up something bigger. Yeah, I think, I don't know, maybe I'm speaking for all of us in this case, and either one of you can disagree if, if you don't think I'm right. I don't think the Angels are done. It's not like, okay, we're done. We got our three guys, the pitching staff's intact. I agree with you, Todd something bigger's happening. I'm not saying they're going to go bust out and give 10-year deal to Trey Turner as that big move, Mm -hmm. but there could be at least another two or three moves. The Angels' offense right now looks better than it was a month, two ago, maybe in the middle of the season when they were slumping. Miles ahead of it. Miles ahead, more balanced. The only thing right now with this roster that I think is one demerit to the Angels' offense right now, it's very right-handed friendly. The mm-hmm. only lefties in the lineup, if opening day was today, would be Shohei Otani, uh, Luis Renjifo, and Jared Walsh. If you lose Renjifo or Walsh, now you're down to two, and you got to protect Otani in in situation A. In situation B, you got to lengthen that order at the same time. They've lengthened the order with names. Now you just got to do a little protecting, and again, that's going to be on the shoulders of manager Phil Nevin, and of course his two new hitting coaches, which is a point that David and I have talked about before when our last podcast dropped, the Angels had just hired two new hitting coaches. So with all of that information touched down and, and combined, you, you're seeing a new, I don't want to say a new form of Angels front office thinking, but this is the first time I think the Angels have been smartly aggressive instead of doling out the seven-year deals to the Anthony Rendones, the 10-year mm-hmm. deals to Albert Pujols. We're actually seeing trades that are benefiting the Angels instead of other teams fleecing us for players. I don't know if you guys think, agree with that. Yeah, no, I, even, even to go deeper into that, I think you're seeing from the front office the first time them realizing you need to be nine deep and not carried by three stars. Because mm-hmm. they're, 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 they're not putting stars at every position, but they're putting major league players at every position and trying to minimize those those holes in the lineup. Like you look through five through nine last season, it's like it's like pitching to pitchers, right? Yep. These guys aren't going to do anything. So by by getting these these proven MLB players who who aren't going to command a, a crazy salary and they're not going to be star players and they're not going to carry the team on their back, but they're going to give you consistent at bats. They kind of know what you're getting out of these guys you raise the floor and you protect yourself from those major slumps that the angels went through last season. Yeah. And touching that point real quick, David brought up a good thing because of five to nine was terrible. And even if they had some production or within the one to five and they had to make a substitution or had to pull some guy out or give a guy a day off, it's just another weak spot in that lineup. If you, if you full, if you fill the roster with guys like how Tampa Bay did, like he was talking about high on base percentage guys, you know what you're getting from them you're not going to lose too much when you have to make a move, when you have to make a defensive substitution. You know, you're not going to take out Trout for Magnus Sierra and then hope that Sierra can come through with a big hit. This is not going to happen. So, you know, that's the thing that's going to make this team win because their bullpen held out on a lot of games last 
last year, giving this team plenty of opportunities, including the starting staff to win ball games, and they just couldn't scratch across uh, a hit, start a rally, or even earn a walk. So uh, that's what I'm looking forward to with the new hitting coaches to preach more walks, uh, better at bats, and and productive at bats. Yeah, for years we've been talking about the Angels, and it's it's been a conversation with everybody. We need pitching. We need pitching. We need pitching. Guess what? We have pitching. Even though we just doled some out to get uh, Hunter Renfro and Gio Urshela, we still have a laundry list of pitchers at AAA yeah. and below that are going to be just fine. And the Angels rotation right now, which is a perfect segue to the next free agent, the first free agent signing for the Angels, the Angels rotation added left-handed starter Tyler Anderson. He was with the Dodgers last season, had a phenomenal season, went 15 and 5, had an ERA of 2.57, a lot of strikeouts, healthy, a lot of innings pitched. So now the Angels rotation looks something like this. Shohei Otani, Tyler Anderson, Patrick Sandoval, Reed Detmers, and Jose Suarez and the sixth uh, spot on the rotation is currently up for grabs. The Angels are left-handed, heavy on the pitching front, which is okay. I, I'm not a huge believer in, oh, you got to have three lefties, two righties, or, or balancing it out. I just want pitchers that can pitch. And I think you need – you don't have to go out and go get the Jacob deGroms of the world or the Carlos Rodons. The Angels have, a like we mentioned, a laundry list of players at triple and below that are a year or two, maybe three away from being bona fide starters. We were patient with three Detmers – and we were very fruitful this year. We've been patient with Patrick Sandoval. We are now seeing the fruits of those labors, which has been very fantastic to see. So the Angels, at a pitcher, have one starting spot available. Could it be Michael Lorenzen re-signing on a cheap deal? Could it be somebody else that we aren't even paying attention to yet? That'll be a question in a moment. But let's get in on Tyler Anderson for a minute. He was, as mentioned, with the Dodgers last year. Very good year. Was it luck? on his side that he had a good year? Is it a flash in the pan type situation or for three years and 39 million? This is something that can pay off for the angels in a big way. Todd, what do you think on that one with Tyler Anderson? I think it's a good move. You know, his previous, you know, his numbers weren't bad with his previous two clubs. Uh, Obviously you're going to get a lot more run support with the Dodgers and you got, you're pitching in a pitcher's ballpark. You got an easy division. So I think they'll skew his numbers a little bit. There's no way in my mind, he's going to come out with a 2.50 ERA with us. I'd be grateful and happy, but (laughs) I think, I'm think I'm, you know, if he pitches under a 375 ERA for me, it's a win, you know, anywhere around there, that's a huge win. And I think he could do it. You know, he, he pitched decent and I think was Colorado and Frisco about four, four ERA. But I think he can be be about a 350 ERA with us, and I'll take that in a heartbeat. And I'll take those 13 to 15 wins in a heartbeat. I just wouldn't put him in the number two spot. I would stick with Sandoval going two. I think he's ready to take another jump in this rotation. I think with some run support, you'll see his numbers go up. He pitched phenomenal last year. Just did not get the run support that he deserved. So I would like a Otani, Sandoval, Anderson. And I think Anderson at a three would be phenomenal for the Angels. I think so. The price is good. The Angels, again, they didn't ball out and go spend like the Max Scherzer deal last year and have to dump all this money into a pitcher that Anderson is. He is over the 30 mark. So I guess in sports years, that's an old man for a lot Mm -hmm. of, you know, areas per se. But I think it's a good deal for a pitcher who's been mediocre. Again, tough ballpark in Colorado, went to Seattle and then came to the Dodgers and had a very good year. I know the Dodgers, as you mentioned, a ballpark that is very pitcher-friendly. Angels, not so much. But I think he can still pull pull it out. You saw what Matt Wise did with the pitching staff this year and improved mm-hmm. throughout the season. So you can say, hey, if Anderson does have a couple bumps in the road this season, I'm not freaking out saying, okay, if he has two bumps in the road, the three-year deal is lost. Uh, David, three years, $39 million. Is it a lot? Is it a little? Is it fair? And does Tyler Anderson show a signal that the Angels are confident not taking on project pitchers anymore? (laughs) Yeah, so to answer your first question, I think it's a fair deal for both sides. Um, It's more security uh, financially than he would have got by taking the qualifying offer. Um, Protects him for a couple more more years and ultimately get some more money, especially – uh, if he does regress, and he should regress, the Dodger, the Dodgers typically get the best out of the pitchers, regardless of who they are. I mean, Andrew Heaney was pitching well for them. 
He wasn't pitching well for anyone else, but it's the Dodgers. So, you know, uh, there's going to be a little bit of that. Um, so expect regression. I don't expect like a crazy regression, though. Uh, he'll be really solid. I think that in that three spot is really nice. Um, if he if he maintains what he was able to do last season, then stick him at two. That's awesome. But uh, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll see some regression out of him. But I think the number is fair for him. I think it's fair for the Angels. It's not too much AAV. Um, it's about what thirteen mil. Um, yeah, he gets yeah, thirteen so, mil each year. It's it's very straightforward, very easy. It's not going to kill him, especially with the new ownership coming in. We're assuming they're going to have deep pockets, so that that shouldn't hurt. Um, it provides a little bit of more stability for for the rotation. Um, so yeah, it's not it's not the, the flashiest move, even though we're saying this about a guy who's coming off an All Star year with a great ERA and, and just an, an awesome season. But I think everyone kind of expects him to regress a little bit. And that's where the step back is. But still, the money the money in the years kind of make it a lot easier to swallow. Um, and he, is, he has shown to be a, a reliable arm the last two seasons. So I think it's, um, it's a smart signing by the Angels. Uh, it's not really risky. And I think he, he should ultimately be a good fit here. And you're gonna have to remind me. The second part of your question is it's uh, uh, the pro- giving up on project pitchers, right? The Angels. Yeah, exactly. Um, Are we done I with think, those? Are those I, in the past? <laughs> I think so, mostly because signing guys like Anderson, who who aren't gonna like, you know, blow the cover, blow the doors off the barn or whatever, and and be really flashy. They they. They are sort of ushering in this new era of pitching, right? After drafting all pitchers a couple of years ago, you're kind of waiting for these young guys to to grow up and and fill in this this rotation moving forward. Hopefully, it's with Otani, but if it's without him, you still have guys that you can count on in the future to to call up. So, I think he's one of those those pitchers that kind of fits into to that game plan where. Um, you can count on him for wins while you're you're waiting for these guys to to mature and become major league ready. So uh, I, I think by that standard in the time frame we're at right now, there's no reason for the Angels to take chances on the Jose Quintanas. I know he's now all of a sudden a coveted free agent. If he ever came back to the Angels, we all know he'd fall apart again. But <laughs> it's I, I think you stick with the homegrown guys right now and you sign guys like Tyler Edison who are, who are good um, B, B-tier pitchers and you ride with that. They're not going to cost an arm and a leg and they're going to give you uh, a solid number of innings. So I think that's kind of the mindset that the Angels are in right now and hopefully maintain as they continue to wait for the Detmers and Sandoval's to, to really get going. Absolutely. I think it's a great move for the Angels. I think for the first three moves of the offseason, if I had to give these moves a grade for Perry Manassian, I would give it an A-. minus. I think they're not flashy. They're not trashy. They're just solid picks that end up helping this organization get on a better depth and consistent basis. The numbers don't lie sometimes. And again, we say this without them playing a game in an Angels uniform. This is all hearsay. We got a couple months until spring training, until opening day next year. So there's a lot of time that goes in between. But I think on paper right now, the Angels are much better than where they were at all. from day one last season, regardless of the first month and a half being very well, thinking the Angels were World Series contenders of 2022. But the Angels are in a much better place right now. I'm giving this, like I said, A- minus for the first three moves of the offseason. Todd, what do you think? I A- minus. I think sums it up nice, not flashy, not trashy, consistent depth moves that make a lot of sense for where this organization needs to be right now. I'd have to go along with you uh, about a, about a solid A right now. I think um, I think there's there's still you know room for improvement. I don't think, like you said, they're done at all. I think there's going to be quite a few moves if they're making moves like this. They're not going to make the one or two flashy, and then then that's it. Good night. Good afternoon. Uh, I think they're I think they're just gonna freaking go out there and make a lot of moves that are gonna help this team and and you're gonna you're gonna raise your eyebrow and be like hey I, I really like that you know hey that's not a bad move by Perry that's not a bad move he just seems to have I think right now a pulse on things like for me um, you know when he I kind of laughed at it about a year or two ago when he came out and says I want players to to 
you know, that want to be a part of this organization and embrace the angel way. We're trying to do a new culture here. I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've heard that from other GMs. But it seems like he's trying and it's working. You know, he started, I think, with a draft of the pitching last year, certain player or the year before last, and then last year's draft, they did pretty good. And they're getting guys that, you know, when the draft classes, we've talked to them, me and Fernando on interviews, and they love the draft class that, that they got together with. Like the pitchers all get along with each other. They, they're they they're getting that kind of culture that's going to work from the minor leagues up. And uh, I, I think – I think it's the only positive moving forward right now. I, I'm really digging what Perry's doing. He takes a lot of crap because of, you know, the previous regime or the ownership. But what he's had to work with, man, if you think about it, he's worked some miracles here. You know, maybe all the moves don't look great at first, but, you know, most of them have panned out. He's had a few duds, but I think more than more than uh, anything, you know, they've worked out. Yeah, I think he inherited a lot to say the least, and he's yeah. having to maneuver around a lot and a lot being Artie Moreno and hit the restrictions <laughs> that come with that. And, you know, sometimes it's almost like someone that just got stabbed and is bleeding. You're trying to clot the holes. You know, we had to do that last year, Jonathan VR at third base when Rendon went down and Phil Gosselin and, uh, you know, Andrew Velasquez and, you know, things happen during a season where you kind of have to make those moves just to see, okay, maybe we can pull a miracle out of our pocket. Mm-hmm. He's had to do that for two years. And now we're officially, hopefully this is official. We're seeing him make moves that are going to better this organization, like through from the minor leagues up. And I think we're starting to get that. So a, a minus David, are you along the lines of, of the good rating of the three moves so far? And, you know, I've been a very positive Paramanassian fan. I, yeah. I, don't, I don't see this being a negative thing against Perry Manassi in these three moves. No, I think he's done really well. Um, I probably, it's, it's a really tough grade because when I just sit and think about it, I'm like, yeah, it's nice, solid moves, um, create more depth in the organization. We need more. Um, even if, you know, if, if in a perfect world, you don't trade Renhifo, you sign the shortstop and Renhifo is now all of a sudden another utility guy you can plug in off the bench. Um, depth is so, so unappreciated. Just look at the Dodgers, like the next man up mentality, the angels, they lose someone and then that's it. There's the season. (laughs) So it's nice to have some sort of real depth. They need more. Um, so far I'd probably give them a B plus or a B. And the only reason I'm down on it is I, I, it's, it's great. They're good moves. They're definitely steps in the right direction and they're going to help the team be competitive. I just don't know if it's enough to keep up with the rest of the division. Texas is going to get better. Uh, Seattle, I love what they're doing up or hate what they're doing, I guess, technically, since mm-hmm. we don't want success. I love to hate it. <laughs> Seattle's kind of figured it out with the blend of, of, of young talent and also free agency. Like they're probably going to go nuts again this off season. Um, and then Houston arguably is like the best organization in baseball and they're not, they're going to have a dynasty for like another decade. So it's, it's like, it's nice that they're, they're getting better, but the competition also at the same time. So it's, what are you going to do to differentiate yourself? And then also what we saw from, from like Phil Nevin uh, hurts my heart to say this, cause I'm uh, also a Cal State Fullerton Titan. I'm not really sold on him just yet. Uh, I wasn't really impressed with his tenure last year, this or his time with the angels last year. Um, so it's, it's, if we're rating the off season, it's yeah, probably like a B plus uh, so far. I think they're all very smart moves. I think they, um, they're going to help the team a lot, uh, but I don't see them moving the needle as much as the angels really need to move the needle for serious about like playoff contention and all that. Uh, it's just, and, and, and the sad thing is the angels were so low. It's going to take a lot just to get up to that point, but you have to consider competition when we're talking about, buying for limited uh, playoff spots at the end of the day. So, you know, they sign a big shortstop or, or keep pounding it with depth. If this, I mean, this really can't be it. You've got, I know they, I know Perry today said uh, he feels like they're significantly better. I think significantly is not the right word. They're definitely better. You want to get significantly better do three more moves like this, go sign Trey Turner. Like you really want to like be significant, go be significant. These are, these are solid, smart moves that they should have made last season. They're finally doing it now. Um, it's competent. It's very, very competent what they're doing right now. But to really move the needle, 
you need, need either to, to double what you're doing now or go get that big fish to add to the nice off season you've already put together. I, I got to break in with that too. I agree. Cause I mean, look, he he's, he's spitting fire right there. The only team that's going to suck is Oakland slash Vegas. Uh, you know, and, and, and you got to You got to uh, you got to look at what's going to happen. You know, the American League East isn't moving anywhere. Baltimore is likely going to improve. They've been a little quiet, but, you know, that the depth is there. Their their youngsters are ready to play. Tampa Bay's there. Boston's going to be there again. New York's obviously Toronto. Toronto's Toronto. They're a beast of a team They're They're going to be big players in free agency this year and in trades. So you have them in the AL West, and it's really the 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 central that's the weakling in the American League. So, um, yeah, we've got it. We the the key is to get to the postseason. We got to do whatever it takes to get to the postseason, and maybe it's a balance of making these kind of moves and, like David said, making a splash, going all in. Because Seattle's not taking a seat back; they're not playing conservative anymore. Uh, Texas is not going to bring in Bruce Bochy to suck, and they're going to eventually work on their pitching and make some moves this this free agency. So. Yeah, it's worrisome as an Angels fan because, again, I don't even talk about Houston because we all know they're going to be there. You know what I mean? Yeah. Now it's Seattle and Texas that are making us uh, – putting more pressure on us. We're shaking in our boots a little bit more, but it's a situation where, yes, Houston is going to be Houston, even with some key free agents potentially leaving. You know, Guriel at first probably might not be there. Trey Mancini may not be there. They have a catching debacle out there, so – even with those moves potentially going, Houston's still going to be Houston. Or even Verlander leaving, they still got a really good rotation of guys who've come up. Uh, Javier and and you know just they keep spinning them out. Valdez, yeah, yes, they're machine. Exactly, yeah. well-oiled machine. And in order for the Angels to become an even more well-oiled machine to get to that level, of the Houston Astros, the, it's it's one hundred percent true. The Angels need to continue making moves. This this can't be it. Great with what they've done so far. I love what they're doing again. It, you know, we've ranged it from a B plus to an A. This is all good things. What else do the Angels need to do? Well, shortstop's a hole. They said at the beginning of the offseason, shortstop, outfield, pitching. Okay, they've addressed pitching in the starting rotation with Anderson. They've addressed the outfield in Hunter Renfro. Shortstop stole a question mark, and they said they probably wanted to add maybe one relief pitcher to the mix. Of course, where are we going to talk about right now? We've already touched upon it a little bit the shortstop market. I was listening to this on MLB network. I believe it was yesterday morning or the day before which free agent class should the angels have dove in and got a shortstop for. Was it last year's class that had Javi Baez, Trevor story, Carlos Correa, Corey Seager, Marcus Simeon, or is it this free agent class that is headlined by Dansby Swanson, Carlos Correa, Trey Turner, and who's the other one I'm missing? I'm blanking for the moment. The big shortstop. Oh, boy. I don't know. I'm blanking on the name for a minute. But, again, the shortstop market that we have right now. Which one should the Angels have gone into if they're, at the end of the day, going to get a shortstop? And in the grand scheme of things, we're in present-day 2022 now, so everything in the past is to the wayside. But will the Angels go out and actually do what they say and pull the trigger and get the big uh, get the big shortstop. It's 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 going to be a question that's going to take a lot of thinking in regards because again, big contracts with Trout. You got to think about what you're going to do with Shohei Otani, Anthony Rendon, who David has said on numerous occasions might be the worst Angels contract in recent years in comparison to Hamilton, Pujols, and so on and so forth. Bad free agent signings that they've done. Some money is tied up. But some money's getting freed up. Todd, what do you think this shortstop market between last year and this year, and how can the Angels do right by it right now? I think it's crazy. If they would have went last year, I think they would have obviously paid more money. It's a little scary even this year. I think this year is the one they should be in on. If they're going to get a Trey Turner or Danzy Swanson, a Carlos Correa, uh, it would be this year. Uh, you know, you got to shoot your shot now. However, I think even if tomorrow they came out and said, hey, we've acquired Trey Turner or we've gotten Dansby Swanson because those other guys got like 200 plus up, you know, last year, maybe you get one for less than that. Maybe you could work a deal, but even if you do anything over a hundred million that you sign right now, everyone's going to, the first thought, including mine is going to be like, okay, how does that affect Shohei's future? 
You know, like like that's I think on everyone's mind right now is we've got to find a way to sign Shohei and show him that we want him here long term and we can win. We got to negotiate before spring training if that's a possibility. Um, you know, how does it affect? I think that was the number one question going into it. So if, to answer your question, definitely this year would have been the year because obviously if you commit what all these other teams like Marcus Simeon to text, I think, what was it, six or seven hundred million that they invested on their infield last year? Um, you know, that's not a possibility. And those guys were like big strikeout guys, you know, not what we wanted. Trevor Story had a very slow start. Correa had a slow start. So those guys got the big money contracts really didn't take flight till the end of the season. Um, you know, so I, I think this class is much better as far as contact hitters, shortstops. Um, but, um, again, will it affect that Otani bottom line? Otani is getting $30 million to play for the angels in 2023. He signed the one-year arbitration deal. Mm -hmm. Congratulations. Shohei. Is he worth the money? Yes, of course he is. Should he have been AL MVP? Yes. That's a conversation that we've had before conversation for another day, but how does everything again, how does Renfro Anderson and Urshela, what did we all talk about? How does that, how does that help or hurt Shohei Ohtani's chances of being an angel in the future? David and I have talked about this a million times last year. David was extremely high on picking up Carlos Correa in free agency. I was like, eh, I don't know. I don't think the angels are going to pay that much. And then for some reason, I've had an epiphany, and I feel this year might be a good year for Carlos Correa, minus the whole Astros cheating scandal personal <clears throat> On the field, Carlos Correa, the, I, I like an idea of what he did with Minnesota, a three-year deal, but it has opt-outs after each year that has high AAVs. I think the Angels could maybe financially swing that in a sense, maybe do a three, a, a four- or five-year deal an opt-out after two years because that says, hey, we want you here for a few years. If you help us win in the short term, that could be a huge asset to the Angels. It's tantalizing to Trout and Otani, now Renfro, and potentially Walsh to balance out that order a little deeper. David, it's been about 365 days. How do you feel about Carlos Correa from last year to this year, and could he be a legit fit for the Angels this year in this shortstop market? Yeah, same as I did last year. Um, Korea's only 28. Um, and, and, and now it's an, an interesting conversation because Artie can write a check that he doesn't have to pay, right? So if he really wants to, he can do the high a, AAV and to say, screw it, uh, good luck to the next donor. Um, but it's, it's an interesting draft class. And in I think last year's may have been deeper. Uh, obviously almost all of them have like really bad starts and and so all those contracts you can pretty much say they overpaid except for maybe the twins um but this 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 draft class or not draft class but this free agency class is is interesting in that you have guys like Trey Turner and Xander Bogarts who are professional hitters uh they have that consistency in their swing they're gonna get on base they're as close to sure things as you can possibly get in the free agency right now um, but they're going to command huge contracts, right? So if that scares off like Artie, then I think Correa makes a little bit more sense. He may want that that shorter deal with the high AAV and the opt-outs. So financially speaking, Correa may be the, that good fit. The problem is he's a Boris client and Artie has his reservations about working with Scott Boris. So uh, that, that could end up playing a factor if they are indeed looking at at a top shortstop, but if I had my pick, you know, they're cautioning the wind, no money at all. I think Trey Turner, in my opinion, may be the top hitter in baseball. Just I, fundamentals. The dude's gonna, dude's gonna get on base every game. It seems like uh, he's gonna provide so much uh, help to that top dot lineup. Um, he's gonna, he would, he would give give Trautani so many more RBI opportunities. Um, he would be the perfect fit, in my opinion. I don't think it's very realistic, but I think Correa, Correa like you mentioned, he's the interesting one uh, in all this just because of the precedent now that he's set with Minnesota, if he would take a, a, a somewhat similar deal because I don't think his value, despite the slow start, has really gone down in terms of what he's going to command in the free agency market. 
I think he's still going to get a really nice deal and, and being only 28 is going to help that. Um, but yeah, I, 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 I would still take him in a heartbeat if that was on the table. I still never thought to this day I'd ever be saying, yeah, Carlos Correa, come on down to Anaheim. We want you in angels red after everything that happened in 2017 and, you know, personal issues. And, you know, he always has torched the angels, right. uh, regardless if they're playing at Min May park in Houston or at angel stadium, who would have thought we'd be having this conversation right well, now? It's, it's like what I always tell you. I'm like how they handled it. It was completely stupid. They said a lot of dumb things. But the dumbest thing about all this is that all those guys were so talented, they never needed to cheat. And, and Correa is one of those guys. I'm like, why, why, why do you have to cheat when you have as much talent as Jose Altuve, Alex Bregman, Carlos Correa? Like, that's insane to me. So uh, I, I never questioned his talent. Um, I think he's probably grown up a lot in the last couple of years. I hope he continues to grow up. I know he's had still on the field issues uh, in the past, especially when the Dodgers came to town. Uh, but I, you know, he would be a, a significant upgrade. Um, I still haven't seen enough of, of from him to to indicate that he would be a clubhouse problem or or any sort of behavioral issues. Uh, I think the checkered pass, the further his career goes, that'll that'll kind of be blurred a little bit. Uh, never fully erased. Uh, he'll he'll be booed at every stadium, and if he ever became an angel, I think he would still get a little bit of mixed reactions, mostly cheers, but. There, there'd be some years out of that. Um, but I think the talent's too much to overlook. Uh, if this, if he really wants a short-term deal, that's even better for the Angels. And and like I said, I there there really hasn't been enough indication that he would be a problem in any kind of clubhouse. So uh, I'm, I'm on board with signing him if the opportunity arose. Yeah, and, and I know Todd loves the Dodgers so much. <laughs> uh, you know, we, 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 we've been hearing already that the Dodgers are potentially in need of a shortstop and mm-hmm. all of a sudden they're trying to open their arms to the idea of Carlos Correa on a scale of one to a million. How much would Dodger fans hate us even more if we received Carlos Correa and the angels actually signed him <laughs> in free agency? <laughs> Dude, I, I think we would be, we would jump up, uh, not close to the giants, but we're, we're you know, within striking distance. Uh, you know, as far as a hated rival, because uh, I mean, look, I've said it before. I think the Dodgers are like the Laker fans. Uh, Dodger fans want superstars. That's why they wanted so much for Puig to be successful, to be their Mike Trout. And throughout this success, they put together great teams, no doubt, to make the playoffs and win the division. But they haven't had true superstars, and they were hoping Cody Bellinger would be that long-term player. Not that not that it happened. They think in Mookie Betts is that guy. He shows flashes, but then he disappears. You know, they're kind of jealous that we got the Trout and the Otani. So if we put together a winning club, plus have Trout, Otani, add in Correa, we put together an all-star lineup, boy, you better believe they're going to hate us. And, and, you know, even if we get a Trey Turner, because look, like David said, he just gets on base, dude. You know, he's a salivating player for GMs to want to get because even against the shift, he's, you know, he hits against it. He hits with it. Uh, imagine the shift gone. He's, his numbers are going to go up. He walks. He, he takes extra bases. You know, Correa is the same way. He's, a, he's an awesome player, good leader. You know, I didn't agree with what they did in Houston, their, their attitude, but you got to remember the league let it happen. And then Boston, you know, they cheated too. And no one seems to boo them. You know, they, they seem to just right. get a pass. You know, Houston Houston just played up the bad boy role, you know. And, and if they, they like being the NWO of the freaking Major League Baseball, then fine, so be it. Boston can do whatever the hell they want to and still be cheered. Um, so I've never quite gotten that. But to go back to your question, man, if Car- Carlos Correa came to this team and was sandwiched in between Otani and Trout, Renfro, uh, you know, Walsh and Rendon, boy, that would piss off Dodger fans, man. Because <laughs> they already try to boo the nicest guy in the world in Otani, and they already try to boo Mike Trout, the best player. Imagine Correa on that lineup as well. Oof. But again, who would have thought we would have been talking about potentially Correa in an Angels uniform even after the cheating scandal, thinking, oh, Correa is probably going to be an Astro for life. It's, Absolutely. It's, it's a very wild concept. Again, that's the business of baseball, especially when you're a, a Scott Boris client. Mm-hmm. Uh, before I get to the the final you know, idea here that I want to pitch to you guys here on this episode of the Catella Chronicles podcast, um, you did mention something interesting that I just popped up on Twitter 
uh, about the shift. Remember, new rules in 2023, no shifts, bigger bases at first, there's a pitch clock, and a limited number of times you can pick off toss to any base. Hunter Renfro, Angel's new outfielder, was shifted against, out of 522 plate appearances in 2022, the defense shifted against him 490 times. <laughs> so does he have a better year offensively? I know I don't have the numbers in front of me on Jared Walsh, but I know he was shifted against a lot. Otani shifted mm-hmm. against a lot. And mm-hmm. Gio Urshela, again, I don't have the number in front of me. He was shifted a lot when he was with Minnesota as a pull uh, right-handed hitter to the left side. Trout, too. And Trout, yep. so yep. that shift is going to change a lot of things. And clearly, I think with Hunter Renfro, I wonder if that was a sticking point of maybe why Perry and Manassian was drawn to him in this trade market. Because did any of us think, again, we're still in the year 2022, so the bingo card is alive and well, that Renfro would be a trade target? Mm -mm. No. I never had him circled on my bingo card, no. Yeah, so the bingo card is alive and well here in 2022. I just thought, I just saw that pop up. I thought that was a very interesting point with the new rule changes. Shifts are going to be a very big topic of discussion with a lot of offensive players, kind of along the lines of the Joey Gallows of the world, that you see the extreme shift against that might have some progression and get back to their high offensive game in 2023. So that, that was just something I wanted to, to pull up, you know, pull out, out of, out of the hat right there and kind of add to the mix of maybe that's why Hunter Renfro is more revered now in Perry Manassian's mind than maybe Mitch Hanniger was it, it, you know, who knows? We could still get Mitch Hanniger, but you never know what can happen. I, I was it, just thinking with Hanniger, it's just more like, you know, death wise, you know, he's, he's injury prone. We don't want to add another injury-prone type dude. I mean, he has high potential, but, you know, can he stay healthy type? I think we're tired of those kind of question marks. Hunter Renfro has been very healthy for most of his career. And then another thing I want to add to that shift thing, it's going to, it's going to, uh, bring, it's going to bring the, um, what is it called, the focus now on maybe more fly ball pitchers getting jobs rather than ground ball pitchers because when you got that shift – you know, you want that ground ball pitcher all the time. Everyone, you know, the talk the last two years was, man, he's got a good sinker. We're going to bring a sinker pitcher in here to try to invoke the double play because they're playing the shift. And usually it would work. I think you're going to see a lot of ERAs jump up a bit this year. And, yeah. uh, you know, because guys are going to be able to find the holes a lot better than they were be able to before. And then, again, uh, if you got a fly ball pitcher, that's going to be a coveted, uh, you know, roster spot on your team if you can get one. Absolutely. It's going to be very interesting to see how all of this works out for the Angels. Again, Hunter Renfro, the Angels just trade for tonight in exchange for Jansen Junk, Elvis Piguero, and minor league pitcher uh, Adam Cemeteris. Uh, They also pulled off the trade for Gio Urshela just a couple of days ago, and then they signed Tyler Anderson, lefty starter, three years, $39 million earlier last week. Three big moves. Very good stuff from Perry Manassian. Before I let both of you guys go and we conclude this episode of the Catella Chronicles podcast, we got to think forward thinking a little bit. What are the Angels going to do next? We've talked about the shortstop market. We've talked about the depth in the outfield. Manassian at the beginning of the offseason said outfield, shortstop, starting pitching, relief pitching. So, David, I'm going to go to you first as my co-host here. What do you think? What player free agent or trade. I know trade is a little harder to predict, but who is the next player that is going to be signing a deal with the angels? It could be a shortstop, could be an outfielder, could be a pitcher. Ooh. Where do the angels pivot? Oh, it's tough. Cause it seems like they're really looking at the trade market right now. Um, I would like, I would like to be Carlos Correa, but Carlos Correa, but I'm, uh, I'm, I'll be realistic for a second. Oh man, we have um, to be realistic. Maybe it's tough because this is this is the like one of those off seasons. I've been shocked by every single move. First, you're signing a pitcher to a multi-year contract, which the Angels never do, at least with the starting pitchers. And then they go out and they trade for uh, infield piece that actually plays the major league level, which they also never do. And then they go and get an outfielder who none of us had on our radar. So it's really tough to, to predict what they'll do next. Um, I'll say they give a two-year deal to Craig Kimbrell. 
and shore up the bullpen. Let's let's go there. All right, Craig Kimbrell staying his value in is low, his, his value is lower now after a really rough season with the Dodgers. So that's a contract. If you want to go to the the fix them up route again, there you go. Go go. Craig I just Kimbrell. talked about not having any more projects, <laughs> and you're giving yeah. me a project to talk about. I have, yeah, I have literally. I Perry's keeping me on my toes this offseason. He's he's operating in the limitations I thought he would, especially with a lot of these short-term moves. Even Tyler Anderson, it's not a it's not a terribly long commitment. And then you have Renfro and Urshel are both free agents next season. So he's operating how I thought he would with with you know trying to trying to combine you know put a roster together that's competitive but also can be changed completely next year. So uh, I I still don't know what he's going to do next though. So I'll I'll go on a limb and just say Keg Krim. Keg, Craig Kimbrell for two years to the, at the back of the bullpen. All right, Craig Kimbrell. Todd, I'll turn it to you. Uh, quick answer on that one. Would you take a flyer on Craig Kimbrell? Simple yes or no. And then who do you think the Angels will go after next? No, because I'm tired of the uh, people behind the, uh, the um, catcher <laughs> mimicking his arm motion. <laughs> Uh, now I, I wouldn't want him. Uh, I'd have to disagree. I actually want to go with another Southpaw. I want Josh Hader. I, I really think he would fit really good with this club. Uh, California guy. Uh, he's, he's got that mentality. He, he looked like Syndergaard. I think he would ro- work really good with his bullpen. I think he'd throw fire and ice out there with, uh, you know, having our boy, uh, what's his name? Herget set up in the eighth inning. I liked him setting up down the stretch and then throwing Hader. So throwing the, the nasty junk around eighties, and then go with a 90s 100-mile-per-hour uh, pitch to close it out. For the record, I, I agree. I would rather take a flyer and hater. I think he's going to be a little more expensive, and I, I really don't want Kimbrough. I think from what we've seen in the last couple of seasons, his arm looks shot. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's just where I feel like the Angels could afford if they're really trying to get some sort of veteran leadership, I guess, back oh, yeah, there, yeah. veteran presence. Yeah. But, yeah, I would much rather have hater as well, even yeah, with absolutely. his rocky end to the season last year. Yeah, yeah, I think that was a change of scenery type thing. But if if you could get the hater of the Milwaukee Brewers and just that dominant force out of the bullpen, that would be – yes, I would take a flyer on that one for sure. That's unanimous yes on that account. Um, the hater conversation, I think that would be a kind of like a Rysel deal maybe in, in the case of AAV, like around 14 to 16 million, maybe even more than that for a hater. I'm not sure – I don't think I don't know if he's a Scott Boris client or not, thinking money purposes, but Hader would be a fantastic guy to add to this Angels bullpen because as of right now, the back end of the Angels bullpen is Aaron Loop, Ryan Tapera, and Jimmy Herget. Um, if the Angels do not add any more bullpen pieces, I could see them either going to Herget or Tapera as the closer. Tapera's had more experience in that role, but I think I might like Tapera more in a setup role, seventh inning, eighth inning, you know, rotate between he and Herget. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm along the lines of you guys thinking bullpen is where the angels go next. And I'm going to play the safest card in the bunch. Oh, I actually like a lefty and yes, like I said, unanimous. Yes. On Josh Hader. Absolutely. I would take him in a heartbeat, but I'm going to go with another lefty. He's got great hair and a great mustache <laughs> game. Give me a little Andrew Chafin. I oh, said, this, yeah. I said this yeah, last I like year. That. <laughs> I said this on numerous accounts to David last year. I was very high on two guys last offseason, Andrew Chafin and Michael Lorenzen. One of the two I got A plus on. I was correct. So I, you know, a little pat on the back right there. But Andrew Chafin had a phenomenal year with the crummy Oakland A's. Or with, yeah, was it Oakland? Yeah, it was Oakland. Um, He had a phenomenal year there. He had a phenomenal year the year before with the crummy Detroit Tigers. So he's been on a couple crummy teams back to back. Mm-hmm. I think he may, you know, he's a little bit older. So I don't know if he's thriving for a deep playoff run or if he's just happy with wherever he's at. He seems like a cool cat. I think he would fit into this angel organization very well. He's been a closer in the past. I could see him maybe fitting in that role. The angels could play closer by committee. I wouldn't suggest the closer by committee role, but in a way, you do – if you get Chafin, you would have four potential closers. Loop's done it before with the Mets. Tapera's done it with the White Sox. Chafin's done it with the Cubs. And Jimmy Herget did it this year with the Angels. So it would be an interesting scenario for Matt Wise and Phil Nevin to utilize in this bullpen kind of scenario. 
post-Rysel Iglesias era. Um, but I like Andrew Chafin. I think he'd be a nice fit for this organization. If the Angels don't go closer route, I like Chafin as somewhere in this Angels bullpen. Maybe your Lorenzen picks the next move, like two for ten. True. Yeah. I, I've always – I'll put it on that record. Six spot. I, to fill out the sixth spot, I do feel the Angels need a right-handed starter. And if it doesn't come on the trade market, I think it would be great if it was Michael Lorenzen, homegrown kid, Cal State Fullerton – there is no bias from David and I on the Cal State Fullerton. <laughs> I, promise, I promise. Don't look. Um, but two years, $10 million, I think, is very fair, very team-friendly deal. From the conversations we've all had um, internally and that I've had with his mom, Cheryl Lorenzen, he wants to be in California. He wants to be close to home. He doesn't really want to go anywhere else. He's, he's, a, he's a brand-new daddy now. He just had a kid just a couple of weeks ago, so congratulations to Michael and the Lorenzen family. I would love to see Michael Lorenzen as well. That was my kind of 1A and 1B pick. I didn't want to be too obvious, but Lorenzen could get a deal as well. I wouldn't say no to Lorenzen. Todd, would you say no to Lorenzen? No, because you saw his dedication here. You saw when he did t- you know, talk about the Angels, his mom's attitude when we talked to him or talked to her. Um, and then the fact that what impressed me is he could have shut it down last year. There was no need for him to come back at all. He should have probably shut it down. I, I think nine out of ten people would have told him to shut it down. But he came out there and he pitched uh, hard. And he, he, he wanted to show that he has a lot left in the tank and that he wants to play here. So that impressed me. And, and yeah, the sixth spot being open, you don't want to rush Kai Bush, Hill Seth, and other guys out there too fast. Give him a little bit more time to mature down there in the minors one more year or a half season, whatever. I don't think it's a bad move to give him, you know, a, a contract-friendly deal to stay here, and it's convenient for him and his family, and, and it works for the team. I think it's an all-around win. Yeah. I, it, David Sounds said, like the move, right? Yeah. But David said this correctly, and I think it's an overarching theme. There is no pattern with the Angels right now. Everything we expected <laughs> them to do is not happening. Except, David, you kind of get some brownie points on this one. You said a lot of one-year small deals under the constraints. And in a way, we're kind of getting that a little bit with Renfro's But they're good, they're good moves. Yes. Exactly. That's the difference. They're, they're, actually, not, they're, not, they're not taking waivers. They're actually getting MLB-ready guys. Correct. They're actually making quality moves that are going to help this organization move forward in 2023. So, Wild, who thought on the next podcast episode this is what we were going to be talking about? Actually, good angel moves. And it's been great to have uh, Todd Fox from Halos in the Infield on to discuss all these moves. Renfro, Urshela, Anderson, free agent predictions. We are in the offseason now as we prepare for the 2023 Major League Baseball season. We got a couple months before spring training. Opening day is just four and a half, five months away. Baseball is here Winter meetings are going to be coming up in a couple of weeks, so you're going to probably see a lot of big-name free agents come off the board in San Diego in about a week and a half, two weeks. So it's an exciting time not only to be an Angels fan, but to be baseball fans in general. One one thing I'll say real quick, because then you yes. brought up Scott Boris, I forgot to say this too. Scott oh, Boris was quoted uh, the other day as saying, um, you know, when the, and he referenced, you know, <laughs> uh, in passing the, uh, what's it called, our, our boy, our own, I don't want to blank on his name, um, our owner. Anyway, he Artie Moreno. Artie Moreno. Yeah. He he said basically, you know, when the Angels change ownership, it's going to be a lot easier. He's telling his clients, you want to go to a team that gets brand new ownership nowadays because the amount of money they're spending for a set organization, they're not going to be like, oh, we're going to be on the cheap. They're going to want to spend. So he will likely direct his clients to the Angels, unlike what he's done in the past here with Moreno. Right. I wouldn't be shocked that that's the case between those two men, Boris and Artie Moreno. I wouldn't be shocked with any. Am I shocked with anything Scott Boris does these days? No. Come on. He's been so coy in everything that he's done so far this offseason. Because, of course, who's the biggest free agent out there this year? Aaron Judge. Mm-hmm. He's been in, he was in San Francisco today. You know, there's rumblings of that happening. It's going to be a very, very volatile thing in my opinion, with Boris clients, if and when Artie ever sells this organization. This the one here's my nightmare. I'm gonna put this out there right now. Hopefully I'm not jinxing anything. Somehow Perry Manassian finds the perfect remedy 
and signs these guys. The Angels are postseason bound, and they make a run at the World Series. I'm not saying they're going to win, but they make a good at least second-round ALCS-type moves. Artie Moreno says, well, gosh dang it, I did pretty good this year. I'm not selling the team anymore. I got this. That is my nightmare upon nightmares. David, Don't you put that evil on me, Ricky Bobby. Don't you put that evil on me. Don't put the evil. Oh, yeah. But again, it's a nightmare that, as us Angel fans, should we prepare for the worst case scenario? Well, I, I don't even want to think about that. I, think I don't want to sit- think about it. I just want to sit and enjoy. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm, I think. He, what? Yeah, he's probably too much. He's probably too tied up in like litigation right now and his financial issues. He could probably use a quick. Uh, $2 billion, you know? Yeah, the yeah, city so the I, city is really trying to get him for $300 million. You know, they're, they're putting a case together for, uh, you know, if he if he holds on to the team, the new ownership might inherit that. So that's another reason why he wants to sell. Yeah, he's he's going to have, at the very least, he's going to have to settle. And then he's also dealing with the, the lawsuit from the Skaggs family. So uh, he's going to have to write checks off the baseball field. So, uh yeah, I think his incentive is is more than um. I haven't been able to put a, a winning product on the field since 2014. I think there's a lot going behind the scenes that are driving him to want to run out of town as fast as he can with as much as he can. Yeah, because like I'd love to be in his position and be an owner of a major league franchise, uh, but to have all the the storm clouds he's got surrounding this stadium, uh, paying me two billion after I only paid about 200 million for the squad. I'd, I'd walk away a happy man. I'd walk away yeah. like I won a World Series or two. Yeah. yeah. In Why my own I? mind, I'd be like, yeah, I'm a winner. As the great as the great Steve Miller band once said, oh, take the money and run. Exactly. That's the best thing. Take the money and run. But if, on that note. Hey, if Artie note, was a baseball player, even in a Sunday league, that should be his theme song, his walk up. <laughs> That's what I was about to say. That is the theme uh, Todd said it perfectly. That is the theme of Artie Moreno's. That that would whenever the day comes, and Artie officially sells his team, that will be the entrance music to our yep. Instagram Live podcast. <laughs> whatever it is, that is the music that we are just gonna roll on by here yep. here on the podcast. But uh, but that will uh, conclude things here on episode number eleven of the Catella Chronicles podcast with special guest Todd Fox from Halos in the Infield. Todd, thank you so much for coming on. It's always a pleasure. Uh, not only having you on the show or Fernando or, or, or crazy Randy at some points, um, <laughs> but it's great that Catella Chronicles has a terrific partner in you guys in Halos in the infield. Hey, we feel the same. And thank you so much for having me on. It was a pleasure. Of course, David, any final thoughts? I, I Well, first, of course, as always, thank you for coming on and, and being a terrific co-host as well. Uh, I want to see more of these uh, Twitter bombs, these passive bombs, uh, Regarding the Angels, so let's let's keep the ball rolling, keep the good mojo going. Keep the mo- good mojo going. As mentioned, we're just about a week and a half away from Major League Baseball's winter meetings that are being uh, held in San Diego this year, the site of probably many free agent moves that will going to be happening. Could they be for the Angels? Maybe, maybe not. Who knows? But you're going to want to stick around on Catella Chronicles as well as Halos in the Infield's uh, social media channels, Instagram and Twitter for all updated uh, news and information. But for Dominic Lorenz, David Goodkind, and Todd Fox from Halos in the Infield, we say thank you for tuning in and listening to episode number 11 of the Catella Chronicles podcast. Don't forget to like, comment, and subscribe on YouTube. And of course, you can find us at Catella underscore C-H-R-O-N on Twitter and Instagram, and you can check us out on our website, catellachronicles.wordpress.com. And we are the heartbeat of pro sports in Anaheim. Good night, everybody.